Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, tuning in to episode 78. Episode 78, I'm your host, Josh Shelton, and my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, how was the event last week, bud? Man, had a good time at the 20 Holes event, except for... My man Sergio left me high and dry. He pulled a Josh Shelton and um, left me hanging there. So we did not – We I have some interviews that I'm going to play from that event, but we did not release an episode because I was counting on Sergio to be there, and last minute he had to uh, cancel or reschedule or whatever it is that Sergio does. So um, so anyway, so at the end of this episode, it'll be kind of a long episode. We're going to have our normal stuff. We have a couple guests. And then at the end, um, we're going to play those interviews. So if you want to hear that for the 20 Holes event, you can catch it there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, there's been a lot of weather going on all across the country and stuff. And uh, I'm thinking that 20 Holes event was going to be a lot of fun. How was the weather that day? Was it clear weather and everybody have a good time? Yeah, everybody seemed to have a good time. It was a little bit overcast from what I remember, but, um, it wasn't too terribly hot that I don't know. Now I think back on it, I, um, uh, they had me inside, so I stayed nice and cool. <laughs> that there, was, you there, there, yeah, there you go. Yeah, no doubt. So, but look, like, looked like they had a good turnout though for him and I got to meet a listener. And so, uh, I did not get permission to use his name, so I, I won't use it, but got to hang out with the listener in San Antonio on Thursday evening. So that was fun. Had a great time. He knows who he is. Thank you for that. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, I meant to ask if I can use his name on the show, but I didn't. So, you know, I, I hate to, I don't want to throw it out there and um, without permission. But anyway, so I had a good time hanging out with uh, with him and uh, had some really good ahi tuna tacos in San Antonio. So those were legit. Enjoyed those. Man, eating, eating that kingly food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, I, uh, I enjoyed it. And hey, Josh, real quick couple things. So we talked about our Rodney Strong sponsorship. And so I talked to the people at Rodney Strong. They were finalizing the details. And I'm supposed to record a short segment with Ryan Clark from Rodney Strong um, that we're going to play on here to kind of walk you through how that works. But um, in the meantime, if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes, you'll be eligible. we got some gift baskets, some wine gift baskets. They've got, um, I don't want to say it wrong, but there's some kind of uh, a tour of their facility. Ryan will exactly explain what that is. But you got to leave a rating and review in iTunes. And speaking of that, man, I don't know if the folks at the Port of Corpus Christi, but someone gave us a one-star review, dude. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought we were pretty clear we loved you guys down there. I, I don't, don't be, don't, don't be, I'm not, I mean, I don't know. I thought we were fair and balanced. I, I thought it was pretty fair, but, uh. I don't know who it was. Maybe it's some environmentalist, but someone gave us a one-star review. It kind of broke my spirit a little bit. So take those 30 seconds, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star. That's all we accept. I didn't. I guess they didn't get the, comfort, the, 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 the policy of the show, but five-star review uh, with a nice little rating. If you do that, um, the stars and the, the verbiage, you will be entered to win the Rodney Strong packages. We will have those details, I promise you, next Friday. And uh, for those listeners... Josh and I are talking offline. We think we had some reviews pop up this week, but they disappeared. I think there was two in there. I was telling Josh, I don't see anymore. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I'm, so I, I don't know. If you left one and we didn't call it on the show, we will call it out. Uh, but anyways, I just didn't see it. I was telling Josh, I was pretty sure there's two more on there, but I don't see them right now. So we, we don't control that. That's up to iTunes. Yeah, you know, I was wondering who uh, put the the one star. They, they don't really, they don't ever leave any kind of type of written content to give us any feedback, so that we could actually uh, know if it's serious or. Yeah, I guess it is what it is. Huh? It is what it is, and you know, I was joking about the Port of Corpus Christi. I have no, <laughs> we have no, you know, we have no idea who leaves the stars. But it did come out after that show, so you know, it's like, have you seen me and Batman in the same room type deal? So that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, well, so, you know, you, we got to call the Swedish company up and get them to supplement that one star with a five star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just add four more to it. We'll, we'll call it a good day. We'll call it a good day. And the real the real thing is here, just so everybody knows, um, our show has been doing really good. We were number 42 in iTunes in the business news category. So thank you guys so much. Ratings and reviews, um, especially them five stars, they really help boost this thing up here we were ahead of some bloomberg shows now if you go check it today i don't know what it is it, it, it fluctuates it's kind of a fluid deal some days it's we're at 50 some days we're at 70 i saw that they were in the hundreds then we shot up to 40 something so um you guys really helped this and listen for you know we're competing in that category versus like bloomberg and wall street journal and financial times so um it's really kind of neat that we have you know that kind of uh that kind of, I don't want to say stroke, that's not the right word, but that kind of following that helps us get up there with the big names. And so we really, really appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, we got a couple of guests coming on. So uh, we got one article I wanted to talk about, our good friend David Blackman. Uh, he, he released a Forbes article this week. And uh, nothing nothing you know, too breaking here. It's just uh, someone asked. Analyzing the capacity issues that's been going on in the Permian, and talking about how these companies, how they think through their you know mid-year uh, alterations they're going to make in their plans, and so uh, you know, it's uh, pretty straightforward. What he says is that you know around this time of the year, these companies are reallocating some of their funds to going outside of the Permian, you know, where they already have land. They're 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 putting their resources there to drill and keep income coming in. And he said around April of next year, he's anticipating for them to reverse that and and start funneling more of their stuff back into the Permian because these other pipelines are going to be going online pretty soon. Uh, and that's so 2019 April is when he anticipates for these companies to reverse uh, these alterations that they're making in their budget. Uh, so you know some people are that are in the Permian are kind of slowing that down ramping up their Eagleford and he said that's gonna that's gonna go back to the Permian around April of next year. So just a little information here that, that I thought was helpful and he's got some stats and stuff that he mentions. I mean anything standing out to you, Ron, that you want to mention before we jump into the roundup? No, I thought this think this is a good piece here. It's kind of, you know, inside the mind. David worked for a lot of companies over his career. Um, so it's kind of a good mindset. I, I would, and, and I talked to David the other day about coming back on the show because we hadn't had him on in a while, and he's going to try to come on in October, I believe. But um, I, I would push back, and I don't, I don't think David. I'll ask him if he comes on the show. From what I've heard, there's probably more folks. Maybe if you read this piece at face value. I agree, but I have heard some rumblings about maybe some more folks um, that I would get the impression from this piece that are going to start at the beginning of 2019. I, I don't know that to be fact, but just from kind of hearing stuff on the ground, I have heard. But I'm, it, it's a, it's a 
irrelevant point. Um, I think the other thing is, Josh, is that when we talk about, you know, kind of from the business standpoint, we say, hey, look at other areas to go and to get work in. This is kind of the result of that is that if you were in the Eagleford instead of the Permian, you're picking up work right now that you wouldn't have got. If you're in, you know, outside of our listening area, maybe up in the Powder River Basin or up in the Scoop and Stack or something like that or the Haynesville, um, you know, you would have had some opportunities to um, to pick up some stuff because these companies are transitioning. Now, when we were saying do that, we were talking about because it's a less competitive nature. Um, so it wasn't like we were saying, hey, we have this infinite wisdom and these guys will be moving here because the Permian will be backflowed. Um but it did work out, and so that that's just one of these things that you know, um, you know, if you're looking to to grow and you're looking to expand, man, look at these other plays. There's companies that will be coming there, and according to David Blackman, who is you know one of the best in the business, it's gonna be at least a mid year next year, and um, and I think by then we'll see the reversal just based upon the numbers that we talked about a few weeks ago, Josh, with the pipeline stuff that's coming through. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm. I was curious about that as well. Kind of the dates that he's used. And, you know, whether it's going to be a little sooner or, you know, a little later, depending on, I guess, how things, uh, how these pipelines continue to move forward. Well, we have two, uh, two pieces that I want to talk about in Texas Roundup. You know, we, we try to get information as, uh, as some of this news breaks. Sometimes it gets a little monotonous, but uh, anytime there's, uh, you know, big deals that are, that are breaking in Texas, we try to get information on it, uh, pass that on to the so that they can, you know, any actionable items they can they can incorporate into their discussions or conversations or you know job opportunities. So the first one I have, Ryan, is Viking Minerals is uh, divesting core Eagleford shale assets. They are, it is 1,191 net royal acres um, and 41,000 gross unit acres in Carnes, Dewitt, and Gonzales counties, Texas. Uh, so it's going to include over 200 whales, and they're selling it for, they're divesting it for 28.3 million, 28.3 million. So not just a massive, massive deal compared to some of the other things we see, but it's certainly sizable, and it's going to be um, you know, spending quite a few areas, uh, quite a few counties uh, included in the deal. The second one is... Texas oil pipeline to start in November, easing the bottleneck. So um, uh, this this uh, November is suspending the West oil pipeline in November 1st, helping to ease the bottleneck, has weighed on Midland crude prices for months. Booming production at West Texas Permian Basin, the biggest U.S. oil field, has overwhelmed existing pipelines to Gulf Coast exports. So, um, so Ryan, some of this stuff, you know, maybe getting a little bit of relief a little a little sooner than, than a lot of people expected. But, um, I mean, we're talking – First quarter of 2019, being able to, to increase 360 barrels a day, 60,000 barrels a day. Yeah, uh, so yeah. 500,000 total, Josh, like you're saying. And uh, I mean, they about got this this bad boy in the ditch. It looks like because they're talking about flowing November one. And um, but it, it was kind of weird the way the article because said November one, but then uh, by the first quarter it'd be 360,000 barrels. So I'm not really sure. Um, if they mean that their permits would be approved by November one, but it was kind of, or, or maybe less than three hundred sixty thousand barrels. But anyways, so yeah, I'd imagine that they have, um, you know, a lot of contracts in place um, when they went to do their open season to do this. But if not, they will not have any problem filling that bad boy up with the backlog that we have right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, about to tell you, man, they're going they're going to be at capacity quicker than any pipeline in history. It seems like. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I, yeah, I think I think that's it for the 
for the roundup. We have two guests that are going to be coming on. Um, hopefully, hopefully we got some good questions for them. I mean, I, I'm forward to. We've been waiting on one of them, uh, Eric Waters, for quite some time. I've been looking forward to the one with him. The other one just came up here pretty soon. So. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. And um, let's go ahead. You got the, if you got the rig count handy, Josh, we'll go ahead and do the rig count. And we'll just wrap it up when we get off the horn with these uh, guests today. All right, Rick count was 1,159. So, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't really, we don't have a show for last week, but it's up uh, a good bit from, you know, two weeks ago. 1,159, I think it's like 2%, maybe 30, 40 rigs. Well, we got a special guest coming on the show today, Mr. John Beatty. He's the vice president and general manager, manager of Avalara Excise, uh, t- a tax technology solution provider. John, glad to have you on the show, buddy. How's it going? Going great, thank you, and uh, appreciate you having me on the show. You know, Absolutely. You know, John, on here we've been pretty hard. We're always hard on the government on taxes, so it sounds like you have something to help maybe out listeners um, who are in the oil and gas business with tax issues. Kind of break down what you guys do, what part of the business you work in, and kind of who are your core clients. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we uh, <clears throat> Avalara is a global. Uh, indirect tax software company, but my group particularly focuses on the energy market. So, uh, you know, and, and really the the gist of what we focus on is there is so much complexity when you're dealing with crude and refined products that, uh, you know, really a lot of companies just need help navigating some of the challenges that we have out there. And we've got a lot of interesting trends that are going on right now in the industry. So, you know, just our job is really to just do what we can to help our clients. Right? You men- yeah, you mentioned that there's some um, um, some obstacles that people face when you're about uh, oil, especially. What are some of the biggest problems that you see in the industry right now as it com- as it pertains to you know taxes on oil products? Well, I mean, um, yeah. So in order to do that, you know, first, let me just uh, level set for everybody. Um, you know, a lot of people, when they think taxes, if they're not in the industry or, you know, if they're not dealing directly with excise, you know, they think tax, the the most common uh, reference is sales tax. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty straightforward. You know, you buy a candy bar at the store, you know, and it's got a rate and that's the tax you pay. But the problem or the challenges with excise is it deals a lot with the volumetric measurement around products. And when we talk about excise, it's a lot more than just an additional tax. You know, if you get a receipt at the gas station, all right, you got one line item there for sales tax. But on an invoice for crude or refined products, you might have 30 additional line items for tax. And, you know, and it, it, we have a rule, a, a general rule in excise, and that means for every rule, there's an exception. And for every exception, there's another rule. So... <laughs> Just the sheer complexity, it gets, it's, it would literally drive, you know, a normal person insane. And, um, and you know, when we, when we talk about excise taxes, it's not just the taxes that are levy, levied against these specialty products, but also there are environmental taxes like loading fees, spill tax, spill fees, certain types. We call them environmentals, but they are, in a sense, an additional line item of tax, which has to be determined, then it has to be calculated, and accurately put on an invoice, right? Right. So, so uh, let me just hop in there real quick. I'm curious. You're talking about these different taxes, and we've talked on before about 
um, just from an upstream side, you know, some of the, the EPA rules and how they were hampering small producers. I was meeting a small producer the other day, and they were talking about how they were thankful that the Trump administration had relaxed some of those rules. Now, we talked about the Trump tax plan um, and how it's impacted parts of the industry, but we haven't ever touched on this before. When we see, like, you know, Trump's tax plan, does that, would that impact some of what you guys are doing? And that's, is that part of what you're monitoring, or would that be kind of separate from what you're talking about today? Now the um, it, it's it's a little bit separate. Um, I would say the closest thing with the current administration, which is which we've been focusing on and looking on looking at our um, environmental compliance. Um, you know, as an example, you know, last year, uh, you know, the Trump administration pulled out or stated that we were going to pull out of the Paris Accord, and you know, which is obviously the Global Accord to help reduce greenhouse gases. Well, the problem with that is that officially the United States cannot pull out of the accord until, I believe, 2020. Right. So we've still got a couple more years. We're not going anywhere. But what happened, what has been happening is at the state level, some states are moving forward with additional taxes on uh, greenhouse gases. So if you produce or generate uh, refined products from crude, or you run a factory, as an example, that has a greenhouse gas or carbon uh, impact on their environment, they're levying, uh, they're basically, in some states like California, they have something called the California CARB, where they've said, they've created a cap-and-trade environment, which says you're going to be allotted so many credits, and if you exceed that, you've got to go to the open market and buy additional credits. And you'll have to report on everything that, uh, you know, all of your liquid hydrocarbons as a result. Washington State tried to do this, uh, and a lot of the industry was able to roll it back, but now it's going back to the voters, I think, in November. And Washington will probably, uh, the Washington Clean Air Act will probably pass here in November. The net effect is this is an additional calculation burden on the industry, and in the end, it's going to be an additional cost, which, as we know, at the pump, it all comes back to the consumer. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so you guys, I guess, have a team of uh, really smart people that are sitting around watching you know, C-SPAN all day you know, and government regulations trying to follow <laughs> all this out because it's a convoluted mess just trying to keep up with um, the federal government alone, much less the state and local regulators, kind of how do you weed through that process and how do you guys track something that a bill might be in committee or, you know, even a congressman proposes something, proposes something. how do you kind of track that and advise your clients? So, you know what, Washington State, just to use that example, well, Congressman so-and-so is talking about this um, to kind of get their input and to understand exactly how that could impact them. Well, the the short answer is it takes an army. Right. Um you know, if you look at some of the super majors, they have entire you know, divisions dedicated to regulatory monitoring and uh, tracking these requirements. Um, and we do. We, we literally, on a weekly basis, it's, we monitor at the federal level, the state level. And because we're talking excises, we also have taxes which are unique at the county mm. and local municipality level. You might have, you know a local uh, township or a city that says, hey, we're going to pass a particular excise tax because there's a refinery right down the road and a lot of trucks bring product through here. So we monitor that. 
Uh, and there are some national organizations like the FTA, Federation of Tax Administrators, that we participate in. We work with closely all the government uh, state-level regulators and, you know, try to monitor and keep abreast of what's coming, what's topical, and what are – and then also try and advise where we can what we see as some of the challenges when they try to enact a change or pass a rule. All of this, it's great to, you know, we, we invest a lot of time and resources in monitoring. And even at the end, there are some states or counties which they will roll out a change and they will do it at midnight on the 31st. And they'll say, oh, by the way, it's effective tomorrow. Yeah. And everyone has to scramble to try <laughs> and make that change. Well, and that's why you guys offer your services to help clients with this. I know we're running up against the clock. We kind of got shut, cut short here today. Uh, we'd love to have you on to talk again because this is something we've not really talked about on the show. It's kind of a area that Josh and I don't deal with, so it's, it's a lot of learning for us. I'm sure um, some of our listeners probably deal with this more than we do. But they can find you guys at avalara.com. It's A-V-A-L-A-R-A. I think I got that right. We'll link to it in the show notes. John, if they want to contact you, find out more information about you guys' products or services. Besides the website, where else might they go? Uh, well, I mean, uh, they can certainly, the, the website's probably the best way to contact us, um, you know, like I said. Uh, and there, you know, again, if people have questions, they can just uh, ping me. I'm happy to respond. And, you know, if they're looking for contacts for some of the different areas, we're happy to help facilitate whatever looks, we can do. It looks like you guys are on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook, as well as Avalara. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A, um, at Avalara on Twitter. Um, John, thank you for your time today, and hope to get you on in the future. We get a little bit more time. We can kind of parse through more of this stuff because it sounds like it's uh, not only interesting but very, very um, technical and a lot, a lot to get into. So, thank you for your time today. You bet. Thank you very much, guys, and hope you all Thanks, have a great man. day. Appreciate you too, it. man. Thanks. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye bye. Well, we have another special guest coming on today, uh, Eric Waters. He's the vice president for SitePro. Uh, Eric, we're glad to have you on the show, buddy. How's everything going today? Good guys. Uh, the weather is actually very nice here in San Antonio. It's been this way the past couple of days, so it's uh, good going into the weekend. How about you guys? It's great, good. man. Great. Yeah, it's good. It's good up here in northern, uh, north or south Fort Worth, I should say, uh, down in Granbury. It's good, good weather here as well. So it's nice to get a break from that heat. So we mentioned a few weeks ago we'd love to have on some someone talk about the water issues and the Permian especially. Um, and a mutual friend of ours or colleague or acquaintance or however you want to say it reached out and said, hey, Eric's the guy to talk about this stuff. So we'll kind of start there. Let's talk about water, what's going on, and um, you know, kind of work, you know, what you guys are doing and how you're trying to solve some of those issues. Sure. So let's uh, we'll talk a little bit about water. So um, water is obviously on the, these Delaware wells is coming out, you know, two, three, four thousand barrels a day as they open these things up. And so that's caused a, a big shift in what in the way that it's handled. So the way we like to think about it here at SitePro is that uh, disposal facilities are, are kind of at the 3.0 stage. So if I say 3.0, that means what was, you know, 1.0 and 2.0. So 1.0 is kind of the, the mom and pop. You go and you put away 500,000 barrels a day and, and call it good. And you'd have a guy that would go out there and you would uh, you would get him to turn on a pump and turn it off. Then with the start of the shale boom, we saw what they moved into, what was uh, 2.0, which was 
hey, let's uh, we need some automation on it because all these shell wells are making a lot more water. And now what we're seeing is we're not just making a lot more water from a couple wells. We're doing intensive development plans. And so now one well is, is never enough or is way too much. And so guys are putting in pipelines. And so now it's all about guys with midstream background getting into it. And what's the automation to connect the system of wells instead of just a, a one-off well. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like water scarcity is concerned, water disposal concern. Um, there's just, there's a lot going on out there. Um, you know, how do you guys kind of tie into this at SitePro and, and what are some of the things that you're hearing on the ground from, you know, landowners or producers out there in, in the field? So the, the number one thing that we hear at, uh, at SitePro is kind of going back to that 3.0 theme is in whether it's on the, the disposal side, getting rid of all this water from, from flowbacks or, uh, or getting that fresh water. It's all, it's all about the pipeline networks because, you know, you'll be in one place for a little bit, right. And then you got to move to another. Um, and the second that water touches a truck, the costs just get exponential, uh, on whatever it is that you're, you're trying to do. Right. So, you know, it's, eight nine hundred dollars a load out there in midland and we see that you know you see the same thing in trucks everywhere right that's why people are are long hauling it uh do the midstream uh due to midstream friction on the oil side too long hauling it to, to corpus and whatnot to to get it out of there so the number one thing is hey how do i get a network uh a pipeline network how do i get my right-of-way agreements how do i get everything set up so that i can distribute this and then coming back around to your question what we're doing on type pro is we're we're helping to automate all that. So there's two things that people care about, you know, on fluids, like first off, how do I get it to me? And then second off, how do I track it and pay for it? Um, and so we're at SitePro or are doing a lot on the automation side and a lot on the, uh, you know, everybody likes to talk about the IOT and, and that's what we're focused on on that internet of things. What are the, what are the low cost sensors that we can put out there? What are the sensors that we can get, you know, six miles away from the, from the nearest cell tower and so that's what we're helping our, our client side, our clients do is put in this infrastructure and then track it and, and control it. So that's pretty interesting. So, um, the, the, do you find obstacles? You talk about putting stuff on towers and stuff. I mean, Midland, there's more towers now, I guess, in Midland than there was five to ten years ago, or the Permian. Um, but do you find obstacles being able to put up your equipment to um, help your clients track this stuff? So the the no, the short answer to that is no, we don't find a lot of obstacles. A lot of the stuff we're doing on radio, the more interesting question there is everybody that's getting into the LTE game. Um, traditionally, it was, you know, your big public companies that were going out there for a part of the industry. Now, take a step back. The, the big boys can go out there and deploy their own um, infrastructure, but the the new wave, the private equity, all the guys that are, you know, want to go out there and put their money into drilling wells and not setting up uh, information networks. The thing, the thing that we're seeing now is all these midstream companies that are out there building pipeline, they're thinking about, hey, it would be really useful if I had fiber optics uh, in my pipeline. One, because I can do sensing along that fiber optics. So if I've ever got a leak, and then two, if I've got that fiber in the ground, then I can build uh, basically hotspots around that network where I can get access 
to the internet for my guys out in remote places. And then the last question that people are now saying is, hey, I put this money into building networks for my guys. Can I sell it? And there are all sorts of rules and regulations uh, and barriers that you got to meet, but we're starting to see uh, companies that were not traditional uh, network companies that are starting to get into that game to provide uh, provide uh, internet access. So let me ask you this. A year from now, it, it feels like the water conversation from last year to this year has kind of changed. A year from now, what do you guys kind of expect to see? Where were we talking about? We're talking about water next year. What are some of the things, some of the headlines that we might be reading um, where we in September, October of next year? I think the headlines that you'll see in the water world will be uh, kind of on two different paths. The one uh, is very similar to what you're seeing just in the oil side. You're getting a lot more investment. You know, we've got companies with $500 million or a billion dollars in, in backing getting into the water side uh, from private equity, guys that are coming from operators. So you're going to continue to see a lot of consolidation, uh, I think, within that industry as guys make acquisitions and no longer will companies be, you know, 10, 15, 20. Uh, disposals. They're going to be hundreds of disposals, and they're going to be much more in tune with what we're seeing on the midstream side. And then the other thing that you're going to continue to see in the oil side as well as the water side is, hey, analytics and automation. How do I optimize my system to put away the most fluid that I can and provide the, the best service at the best value for, for their operator brethren? Okay. We'll let you go with this question, um, kind of a two-part deal here. First off, you sent us a note that said that energy industry energy industry uses just 5% of the data it collects. So let's, we've talked about big data and using data before. Kind of break, us, break down for us which, when you see that. What data do you think that's out there that we need to be focusing on as an industry? Also, um, I know you'll have a li- list of conferences and, and where can people find you, where can they meet you, water, something we get asked about a lot. You guys are in this business. You know, uh, direct our listeners on how to connect with you guys after this podcast. Okay. Uh, so thank you so much. So on the first part, the, uh, in terms of the 5%, you got to have a plan just like you, you want to have a development plan for your wells on the information side, you got to have a plan because right now everybody's got the biggest problem is everybody's got their data siloed in different structures. And so, you know, how do you connect in the most traditional sense? How do you connect stuff that you've got in Signet to what you've got in WellView to what you've got on some asset view? Because all those data points are correlated and they tell a story, but how do you connect that story? And so coming up with a plan is the, is the number one thing. And in terms of SitePro, the way that we help kind of tie this all together is that instead of having your traditional split kind of automation and split SCADA, we bring that all together into, uh, into one. And so instead of having to worry about, you know, what am I talking to or where is my data going, all that's there and is really hosted is, uh, is one. And I think that as long as operators and insurance companies and disposals realize that and come up with a plan for it ahead of time, then they won't have to fight the, uh, the siloed issues uh, that, they, that they traditionally have ended up with. So in terms of where we'll be, uh, Ryan and Josh, we're going to be at, uh, at the Executive Oil Conference out in Midland, and then we'll be at uh, Doug Midcon. And then I think the next thing on the calendar is, uh, is Doug Crummy into the, into the new year. So, and the website is what? The website is www.sitepro.com. Uh, that's where you can find out about us. And then that's also uh, what our customers use to log in. So. Awesome. Well, Eric, uh, it was great to get you on. I know we 
kind of got behind schedule here today, so we didn't get as much time as we'd like, but a lot of good stuff. Um, we have listeners that would be some of these conferences. Go check out Eric Waters and Site Pro. Find out more about what's going on. If you got questions about water, obviously these guys are in the business and can help you out. Eric, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Maybe we'll circle around here in six months or so and kind of follow up on what the water situation is, uh, especially in the Permian. Sure, great, Josh and I. look forward to talking to you guys in six months. Right. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Okay, so as we talked about a few weeks ago, we have a new sponsor for the monthly giveaway, and that are that is the folks over at Rodney Strong Vineyards. Uh, coming on next, we got Ryan Clark to talk about that. Ryan, how's it going? Very good, Ryan. How are you? Good, good. And, you know, I always tell people on the show, reach out to me. I'd love to connect and just have a cup of coffee or whatever. And you did, man. And so it's, uh, it's, it's kind of, you know, I saw this wine guy reaching out to me. I'm like, well, this is interesting. And uh, so it's good to connect with a listener. And we appreciate you listening. And we appreciate these gift baskets that you're doing for the monthly giveaway. Kind of walk through what they are and uh, what the listeners can expect if they win one of these uh, gift baskets from Roddy Strong Wine. Yeah, we were, uh, you know, I started listening to the show over about a year ago. I've been traveling a lot on the road and very uh, entertained and uh, really highly educated on the podcast each and every week. So I was excited to see what we could do to help with some of the listeners as we get into the holiday season. So what we've offered to do is pair up with Specs uh, Wine and Finer Foods here in Texas and do a holiday gift basket with one of our Chalk Hill Chardonnay a white wine and then an Alexander Valley Cabernet, a red wine to donate for the holiday gift basket for each month going into the holidays for the back half of this year for October, November, December. So we'll give away a basket for each month to your reviewers uh, slash listeners. And then uh, what we're willing to do too is uh, have any type of uh, feedback through our website. If anybody has any information or has any questions on the wine, uh, please enter the website. Uh, we can take care of any questions there, but we're sold and traded through all the restaurants and hotels and grocery stores here across the state of Texas. And they're really excited about us supporting the listeners this holiday season. Yeah, RodneyStrong.com is the website. So let's break that down here. So we've been doing the Visa gift card, as you know, you've been listening to the show. But this is a little bit different. So the Visa gift card, if you left a rating review, that's electronic. We can transfer the money, no problem here. With the Rodney Strong um, gift baskets, there's three gift baskets. We'll do one. I think we're up to draw in like two weeks. So it uh, depends on when we play this, but a week or two weeks. It's, it's coming up soon. Um, so you have three, three, three chances, October, November, December. Um, I am out and about and anywhere within a reasonable driving distance. Uh, so that's Oklahoma City, uh, over to Monroe, Louisiana, down to Houston, I get down as far as Laredo, as far west as Hobbs, New Mexico. So anywhere in that area, I'm out and about. Be happy to meet you with a gift basket. Outside of that gift area, uh, we can't do shipping and all that kind of stuff just because of the nature of this giveaway. But um, there's three gift baskets over the next three months. We'll work it out, uh, and we'll be happy to get you. Thanks to Specs again for partners uh, on us with this deal. Um, now, on top of that, we have a giveaway that's above and beyond that. Um, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, what we want to try to offer to the listeners through uh, the end of this year is a VIP tour and tasting out to the Rodney Strong Vineyard and Winery itself out in Sonoma, California. So that would be uh, uh, all the indiv- individual reviewers and uh, the individual enters for the process from October 1 through the end of December 31st. And then whoever the winner is for that will have a VIP tour and tasting for four individuals. Uh, they can come out to California on their own expense, uh, but once they get out there, it's about an hour and a half drive from due north from San Francisco up to the winery in Hillsburg, and we would like to host them on a VIP tour and tasting, and that's uh, offered through the year of 2019 or 2020 before it expires. 
Okay, so that giveaway, just so we're clear, is for anyone who leaves a review, um, and they can be anywhere in the world as long as you're willing to go out to Sonoma County, California. Once you're there, um, those guys will hook you up with the VIP um, treatment for the what, – what can they expect on this um, VIP tour that you guys offer? Yes, yeah, so you come into the property and uh, take a chance to look at over 1,300 uh, planted vines we have there at the vineyard and uh, tour the property and see through the vineyards and see the winemaking process. We've got a new artesian winery that we just expanded. It's kind of state-of-the-art, so really cool, kind of modern approach when it comes to making wine. Outside of that, we'll have a food and wine pairing with one of our local food and wine educators, as well as a winemaker's visit during the tour and tasting as well. And it's there on our terrace overlooking the property. So it'll be about a two-hour event, uh, uh, definitely a memorable opportunity for the individuals. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, great stuff. So let's recap. We have two separate giveaways that will go on at the same time, in essence. So the first is three gift basket giveaways. To be eligible, you have to leave a rating and review. Again, we can't see the stars. We don't know who leaves the stars, but you had to leave some text down there for us. Um, and we will do one in October, November, and December. Also, when we do our December one, we will give away this VIP um, tour in Sonoma County at the Rodney Strong Vineyards. Here's the difference. If you live in a driving distance, as I just described, you could be eligible to win all of them in theory, but especially the gift baskets. Um, you cannot win the gift basket if you are outside that area. And if you do, we'll just pick someone else. It's not a big deal. We don't know where you're at. So we'll, we'll draw a name and hopefully you're within driving distance. Um, if not, we'll pick someone else. For the VIP tour, as long as you're willing to pay your way to get out to California and go out there and visit Rodney Strong Vineyard, they will host you um, for an amazing day. And there's other vineyards out there. There's a lot to do out there. We were out there um, early last year, and unfortunately it was raining, so we didn't get to do a lot of the stuff we wanted to do. But uh, it was a good time. What would be the best time of year to go to visit the vineyard? Yeah, I mean, really any time of the year the weather's very uh, beneficial. But I would say, you know, if you want to see a lot of activity and stuff, come out to Sonoma. Uh, during the fall, this time of the year is great. You get to see all the experience of Crush. So we're full steam in the middle of Crush right now. But obviously at the first of the year, uh, there's a lot of stuff, activities going on there. And really the difference between Sonoma and Napa is Sonoma's a little bit more traditional uh, farm and a bit of culture, more experienced, kind of laid-back atmosphere. Uh, Napa is more like Disney World for the uh, wine business. So if you're looking for more of a fast pace, uh, Napa would be the way to go. And if you're looking for something more luxury, more laid-back, I would definitely – Look at the uh, Sonoma County uh, area. Okay. And RodneyStrong.com is the website. If you're connected with me on LinkedIn, I'll be sharing stuff about this on LinkedIn. So uh, if not, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to share um, how to – if you don't know how to rate and review the show, I'll put stuff on there so that you can leave your review on there. Okay. Now, we're, we're recording this on October the 1st. It is my wife and I 12-year 12 12 anniversary this weekend, so we're going out of town for a little date. Now, she's pregnant with our fourth child, so I'll be drinking wine for both of us. But what if, if she wasn't pregnant, <laughs> how how should I order one? I, I've had one. I like one. But I don't know anything other, other than I like it. So give us just a 30-second guide on how to pick a wine um, you know, when you're going out for like that, that, you know, that anniversary dinner or whatever the case may be. Yeah, a real easy approach is uh, a lot of times people get kind of uh, overwhelmed when it comes to picking out wine. It's very casual, very laid back, and you don't want to look at light wines for light foods. So any kind of Sauvignon Blancs. Uh, Chardonnays would be a great pairing for any kind of shell, uh, seafood, uh, say uh, sheltered, and then uh, cheese and any kind of uh, chicken and fish would be good with uh, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc. And then when you're looking for more uh, bolder red wines, you're looking for any kind of pork, uh, veal, asabuca, any kind of ribeyes and stuff would be good for Pinot Noir, Cabernet, and Red Zins would be a good selection for the holidays. 
Okay, good deal. And again, RodneyStrong.com. Ryan, is there anywhere else you want to send the listeners that might be interested about your wine besides the website? Uh, no, we're available, like I said, in all the major grocery stores across the market. So uh, everybody have a great, a great, safe, and happy holiday. Okay, and again, thank you, and thank the folks at Rodney Strong for doing this. We're really excited, and, uh, you know, if my name gets called for the gift basket giveaway winning, you know, it's just it's just purely <laughs> coincidental. Oh, there you go. Happy holidays to everybody and all the listeners. Well, we want to thank uh, Eric Waters for coming on again, and uh, Mr. John Beatty. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. We really enjoyed having our, uh, our guests on the show today. Hope that our listeners found some information helpful, insightful. Uh, we've been waiting on a water guy for a long time, so we're really glad we got some clarification on that. And uh, with that, Ryan, I think we are ready to wrap it up, man. Yep, that's it. It was a good show. And, well, wrap it up. We're going to have the 20-hole the stuff that will come after this, so if you want to listen to that, um, you can stay tuned for that. If not, we'll be back next week. Until then, keep climbing. Thank you.